Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. You'll also have instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, player props, and boosted odds specials. Just download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The Bet MGM app is the perfect way to experience the excitement of wagering on live sports now in more markets than ever. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Welcome to Two English Majors. One Analysis. I'm Ashley. And I'm Melissa. And this is our podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the book and movie Coraline. Uh, given our time and that we've been alive in this world, Coraline was like super scary when I feel like it came out. I don't know how it was for you. <laughs> oh, I was a terrified child. I wouldn't watch anything that was spooky like this. So no way in heck did I watch it when I was when it was coming out. <laughs> So when did you first see the movie or read the book? Oh, this was my first time actually doing both. I've always like seen it and heard about it and heard how good it was. But like I said, I was a terrified child. I had to cover my eyes watching the beginning of Thor because that was too (laughs) scary. I couldn't. So (laughs) this would have given me nightmares as a kid. Okay, so I actually saw the movie Coraline right in, like, around the same year it came out, and I would, I want to say it was in, like, seventh grade, and it came out, and I watched it at a friend's house at a sleepover, you know, I was young, I was, like, 12, maybe, which isn't, like, young, young for, like, a kid, but it's not, like, horror movie, mm-hmm. like, well, I watched it, and at my friend's house, I went to the bathroom after the movie, and they had a doll with button eyes in the bathroom not like on purpose either like it just so happened that they did and it wasn't like a person it was a it was a bunny either way was terrified (laughs) upset about it I did not and like the thing was I didn't just see it like sitting on a shelf I saw it in the reflection of the mirror while I was like on the toilet (laughs) dude that's scary man it was like in the window seal I was horrified I would be, too. Like I said, at least you had the guts to watch it. I couldn't even watch it. Yeah, I grew up being into horror movies. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read the book synopsis. While exploring her new home, a young girl named Coraline unlocks a door to reveal a hidden passage. Intrigued, she ventures deep into a mysterious mirror realm, a world eerie, similar, yet darkly different from her own. Before long, the miraculous turns sinister, and Coraline must use her wits and courage to save herself and the other trapped souls she finds along the way. Filled with enchantments and terrors alike, this winner of the Hugo, Nebula, and Bram Stoker Awards is dazzling feat of imagination from modern master Neil Gaiman that explores the hopes, fears, and dreams, nightmares shared by people in the world all over. And then Alyssa's going to give us the IMDb website. An adventurous 11-year-old girl finds another world that is strangely idealized version of her frustrating home, but it has sinister secrets. 
Okay, well, so since this was your first time reading the book and watching the movie combined, mm-hmm. what did you think? I absolutely love the book. So with my busy schedule, I've because I'm now in grad school right now, mm-hmm. so I've been reading every other book that for for class you know nothing really for fun so i've been listening to it before i go to bed with for a, another podcast and i absolutely just freaking loved it i love horror now and i think everything about it was just so just eerie it wasn't necessarily like scary and terrifying but everything about it the way that it was read the way that it was worded was just like it put like the hair on your spine like like stand up and stuff with like mm-hmm. some of the just the way that it was described there's another book by Neil Gaiman and like the ocean at the end of the street or something like that that's mm-hmm. very similar to this like told in this view from like a child's mind and it's just mm-hmm. absolutely just wonderful because you do you do feel like you are a child you know yeah. transported into a child's mind again when you read this See, and I had seen the movie, but this was my first time reading the book, and I've been, like, telling my coworkers, like, for the last, like, week and a half, I'm like, the book is way more scary than the movie. Like, I thought the movie was scary when I was a kid, and it wasn't as scary as an adult, obviously, but the thing is, it's a children's book, it's a children's movie, and I think there's a scene that we'll talk about later that got left out, and I think if and even actually, I listened to part of the book on like a podcast also, and that podcast author like mentioned she was like, if that scene was in the movie, it would have been an adult rated film because it would have been an adult horror film. Yeah, were you a bit? I don't know, because when I read the book, because I read the book first, then watched the movie, I was actually a bit disappointed with how like almost lackluster the movie was compared to the book. I know people are gonna disagree with that, but it's see. We, like, even preparing for this episode, we both kind of mentioned that there's a lot of differences between the book and movie, but there's also not a lot of differences between the book and movie. Like, it's kind of weird, because some of the things, like, I was reading, because one of the characters in the movie, YB, or Yborn, mm-hmm. is one of the male characters, and he's throughout the movie, and people have, like, put in their two cents that he was added so that boys would like the movie also, because it is a story of a girl hero. And so it's like they wanted boys of a certain age to be able to connect more <laughs> to. Well, actually, the reason why he was added on, because this is something from like a credits thing that I saw, is because, you know, like if you're reading a book, you get to hear all the thoughts of the main character. How do you get the thoughts out of a main character genuinely? Oh. So what you do is you add in a second person, a friend that she can relay mm-hmm. all that information to. So that's why YB's in the book. Okay. I mean, in the movie. So that's why they did that. So Well, but they also did make him a male character for <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, probably that reason. Yeah, I can see that. But I also kind of liked it how YB was a person of color, though, too. Yeah. That I was agree. nice. Yeah. Even though they named, made his name Yborn. Why were you born? Um, so who that she names, could get her thoughts out. Who <laughs> names their kid that Yborn? They named him Yborn because he's not in the book. And I'm just kidding. I don't actually know. <laughs> just because he's not in the book. So why is he born? To get Coraline's thoughts out. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> poor, poor YB. He basically is the other, other father at this point. <laughs> yeah. And so some of the differences we wanted to like 
touch on do you want to like start by describing the tunnel because that's like an iconic scene I mean that's on like tons of posters and stuff is her going through the tunnel yes so the tunnel in the movie is made like this beautiful like it looks like it's made out of fabric this Mm -hmm. magical place and then obviously when she goes back through it it's not a magical place it's kind of old and dusty more like something out of your old attic in the book there's a lot more to it So it's not just like a crawl space that she's able to crawl through. It's a huge door that she walks through. Like any Mm -hmm. adult or any living being can... Like it's a hallway. It's a legit hallway. It's a legit hallway that she can go through. And it was always kind of weird. Even when she first walked through it, it wasn't like Mm -hmm. a magically beautiful place. She's just walking from one end to the other. And then the more she goes through it, the more it like... The more she can feel a breeze, the more you know, stuff happens in this hallway, especially when she's, like, running from the other mother at the end to get back. She touches it, and it's, like, furry and alive, and then she touches it again, and it's almost, like, wet, like the inside of a mouth. And I was, like, Mm -hmm. going through a deep dive, and there's a lot of people that believe that tunnel is, like, an eldritch being, Mm -hmm. you know, and that the other mother is just, like, a parasite living with it in that tunnel itself. Because there's two, there's, like, a couple of lines in there that really got to me and they were is it deep and slow it's um in the book it says it opened to a dark hallway the bricks had gone as if they'd never been there there was a cold musty smell coming through the open doorway it smelled like something very old and very slow which when you think about a hallway using the descriptor words of old and slow don't really make sense unless you can think of it as kind of how you're describing it as it being kind of and alive it's 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 this weird like it's its own being within itself this whole way so not only are you kind of like well what what is the Belden? what is the other mother but then you're thinking what is the unknown of this hallway that's a bridge in between the different worlds i mean it's i think that alone is just like that those two lines just caused my like just gave me the creeps well, and I think you just mentioned the Beldum, but unless you read the book, you really can't, like, it's hard to pick up that the other mother is a Beldum. That's what she's described as by the ghost, and it's literally, like, one single line from the ghost children in the movie, because I was paying attention, because I hadn't seen the movie for years, and I was like, I don't remember them calling her a Beldum, but reading the book, they describe her as that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in the movie, they're like, oh, the Beldum, you know, did this, but it's like, if you're not paying attention, you don't realize that they're talking about the other mother. Like, in the book, you know that the ghost children are talking about the other mother. Like, so until I read the book, I didn't realize that the other mother's, like, what she is is described in the book. Yeah. She's so she's just something else. There's just... So, most of the differences are just small little details. Like, within the movie, they got the bigger picture kind of stuff minus the one scene yeah minus that one scene other than that it does follow pretty pretty close the one thing I will say is I always thought Coraline in the book to be younger I guess it never specifies her age so she could be 11 but in the movie she's more sassy and and this, sarcastic yeah sassy sarcastic and stuff but in this she's in the book it seems like she's more of like a well-mannered kind of I always thought of her to be nine or something in the book. 
Well, and it's like she's well-mannered, but like she does care and she just, she keeps like reassuring herself. Like she has a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. about being brave in the book. And you can kind of see that like in the movie, but you can definitely like share more emotion. It's like they wanted to make her a more well-rounded character by giving her all these more emotions. But another thing is that in the book, from the get-go, she has issues with the other mother. She's not like oh, this is so amazing, I do like this. It's like, and in the book, the first time she meets the other mother, they offer her the button eyes. But in the movie, it's not till like, she visits more than once that they offer her the eyes. Yeah, so in the movie, it establishes her going there, like, a couple of times, Mm -hmm. versus in the book, she only goes once before everything kind of hits the fan. Yeah. And I kind of want to go back real quick to my theory I was just I I wanted Alyssa's like actual reaction on the podcast so I just gave her like a tidbit but during my deep dive of research for this episode I found a theory about the bell dam the other mother in the book and how people have theorized that she is connected to the same dimension that Pennywise from Stephen King's It is and so what their theory is, and they said that there's actually another one that Stephen King has confirmed from the Dark Tower series is just like Pennywise. He's from the same dimension in the Dark Tower, but I forgot the name. And what it is, in the Dark Tower, it's an old man who makes people laugh, and he feeds off people's laughter, and that's like what makes them steal his life force. In it, Pennywise uses children's fear to steal the life force from them. And the other mother uses love. So the other mother uses love from children. And then one of the other connectors was how it's only affecting children. Pennywise, only kids can see him. Mm-hmm. Same with the other mother. She only affects children. She's only stolen the lives of children. And adults don't seem affected by it at all. Like Coraline's parents come back and in the movie and the book, they didn't even realize that they were gone for a few days. Like they have no lingering effects of her the other mother just like Pennywise none of the adults can see what's happening mm-hmm. well, that also leads me to another question that I was thinking is what's happening to Coraline is it all real or is it just a child's imagination well at first in the movie she describes it as a dream she thinks that she just had this crazy elaborate dream because she doesn't like her father's cooking and that's in the book and the movie she does not like her father he's always trying to make these crazy recipes And her mother doesn't cook unless she burns things. So it's like the first night, you know, the mother makes this amazing chicken and stuff. So it's like, is it a dream? But I like the idea that like, because Neil Gaiman and Stephen King are friends. Mm -hmm. So there is always the possibility that like, this is like, because it is obviously not a kid's book. It is like a 900 page book that's going to take an adult some serious time to read. Have you, have you read the end? You know what happens with the kids at the end, right? Mm-mm. Oh, God. I haven't read it. No, so I, I haven't read it either. I just know about this, and it's something that uh, Stephen King regrets writing into the book. Essentially, all those kids have an orgy, you know? But, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the interesting differences between the book and the movie Coraline, which I feel like was necessary for it to be more explainable to a Mm -hmm. child audience, is that 
in the book, Coraline, in the movie, she's looking for their eyes because they all have button eyes now. And that's pretty much explained. But in the book, she's looking for their souls. And I feel like eyes are more tangible for a child viewer to, like, understand. Like, oh, she's looking for their eyes because the mom put buttons on their eyes. Mm-hmm. But in the book, like, souls are more, of like, intangible, which they are yeah. described as marbles. Yeah, well, it's also at the same time, like, eyes are the windows to the soul kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I think it's also that director playing, like, funny little ha-ha moment, which are all just, within the movie, they're all just different kinds of, like, balls or marbles mm-hmm. or, like, sphe- spherical yeah. objects and such. Okay, so what did you think about the claymation? I like claymation, but I like Tim Burton, so that's just me. I'm just biased. I don't know. Sorry, let me let me let me swallow that. I I freaking oh my god, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I think I looked up somewhere that they had like a hundred plus different faces just to put on each different characters to get a true like emotion yeah. out of all of them. Like the amount of hours and work that it takes to do claymation, I could never. I'm not a patient person. I, <laughs> I couldn't. One thing that just like popped into my mind that I remember being like, oh, I gotta mention this on the podcast is um, in the book, like in the very beginning, you get inside Coraline's head about how she hates spiders, but I feel like that's not explained in the movie at all. And the other mother transforms into a spider-like creature. Yeah, so I heard somewhere that it's basically she has no form, but she just transforms into essentially like Pennywise, like what well, you But fear. Pennywise also transforms into a spider, and that's where part of the theory goes back that Pennywise and Coraline are in the same universe, like from the same dimension. <laughs> now you're thinking about it, huh? I, I really am. I'm trying to... <laughs> you're like... So, like, some people have theorized that the other mother is, like, Pennywise's sister. Because Pennywise technically doesn't have a form either. He just goes into a clown form because that's what attracts kids mm-hmm. until he can scare them. Oh, Lord. I... <laughs> but then, I don't know. But then what's with the buttons? Why, why need the buttons? I don't know. Like, Pennywise has to, like, you know, lure the kids in by making them laugh and stuff. And then, you know, he just eats them and eats their soul. But, like, the other mother, I, th- I feel like, I don't know, like, maybe she needs some sort of permission to do it. Because she needs their love. Because that's what she feeds off of is their love. So true love is, Whereas wow, if Pen- I ever have a boyfriend and he asks me, hey, true love is sewing button into your eyes, and I'm going to be like, huh, no, far, far away from that, please. You're like, hmm, is it? Is it? But is it? That's skip. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. But I oh, one of the major differences, and I kept like rechecking the book. Like I was like, am I an idiot who missed this? The doll that is the other mother's spy in the movie is not in the book. However, I think that that's a good addition to the movie because, like, really, you don't have any sense in the book how the other mother knows all these favorite things about Coraline. It's just like she just knows and can sense it. But in the movie, there's the doll that's her spy. In the book, it's the rats. It's the rats that you see traveling back and forth. Or, you know, the one at first in the beginning with her dream. Mm -hmm. It's because the rats are are there. Which they're in the movie, too. mm -hmm. And so they travel back and tell the other mother. So in this one, which I do, I do, I do agree with you, though, when I say I do think that this is a better choice. Because it also ties in... 
the button eyes. The button eyes. And then it also ties in because the other mother is a spider. She's a, she is a seamstress. That was yeah. really hard to get out with, like, Sally Sells. She used the words on it, but blah, blah, blah. Anywho, because she is a seamstress. So she makes these dolls. She's really good with fine lines, fine webbing, mm-hmm. creating like she does with the world, as she webs them all through. So I think that's like a really neat kind of Mm -hmm. addition to other mothers' characters about the dolls, too. Yeah. One, like, that's like one of the ways, like, Coraline, like, realizes, like, she knows her parents are kidnapped in the book because, like, they're just gone for days. And that she's a little more self-sufficient in the book. Like, she's making herself food. She's, you know, she misses. But I think the scene where she, like, makes the pillows into the shape of her parents is so sad in the movie. I'm like, oh. I know. I felt that... Even in the book, I about cry when she's just like, because I don't know, I felt I felt stuff like that when I was a kid, where you're just like, you feel yeah, alone. You hate your parents, but then the next thing you know, like you're like, oh, oh, I love them. I need them here. You know, like, like when your parents threaten to leave you somewhere and they just like get in the car without you, and you're like, actually, don't leave me, please. <laughs> like, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Um. Speaking of the rats being spies. In the book, they're rats, but in the movie, they're mice until the cat kills one and it turns into a rat. Yeah, I love the cat character. It's, oh my god. I'm nobody, I'm me. Like, the cat acts. He's so just, sassy. <laughs> the cat acts just like a cat. Cats don't talk. Mm. Huh. So you're the expert on these things, are you? Since yeah. The cat is, you're just like. Well, and. The cat's eyes are different colors in the book and the movie. They're mm-hmm. green in the book. They're blue in the movie. I thought they were yellow. Are they blue? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I did not. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so the cat has different eye colors, but I think the blue was a good choice for the aesthetics of the movie. Yeah. I, I feel like they could have gone with, like, a darker green. Oh, that is something... The world that Coraline lives in with her actual parents is very dull and she's really the only thing of color but when she goes into the other world everything's colorful until she uses her eyeglass thing to look through and then she can see how gray it is and that's oh. what helps her find the marbles yeah the stone yeah yeah that was i think that's just a very kind of neat stylistic choice to like kind of show why the other land would kind of like lure kids into it where it's like so bright and colorful like in a kid's mind versus you've seen those tiktoks where it's like what the world looked like as a child versus what it does now and you're like yeah that's that's accurate i think that's what they're kind of also going through versus what's something amazing colorful versus who wants to live in drab real life because i sure as heck don't yeah, so it's like the world that she lives in with her actual parents is so dreary and boring, and that's how she sees her life. But then when she goes to the other world, which is this like idealistic world where everyone gets what she wants, it's like bright and colorful and fun. And you know, in the movie, there's the garden, the beautiful garden and stuff that's like fun, and there's dragon snappers that are actually active, almost like Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't really add the garden, the garden's not in the book. Yeah, it's not like as important yeah i i wonder why though well it's because the scene that's taken out of the book with the dad is Mm. turned into the garden scene inside the movie that's where she gets the first marble from in the movie is the dad yeah 
that that whole scene was like absolutely terrifying in the book. The scene in the movie is like scary, but it doesn't last very long. And he ends up handing it to her, like saying he's sorry. Well, that's the thing, because even in the book, the other the other father, he's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's just. He was, He's, like, possessed by the other mother because she created him. Yeah, she literally created him for one sole purpose and then, like, cast him aside as soon as he wasn't needed anymore. And so he has his own thoughts and feelings, but he can't control himself all the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. It's kind of like they gave him, like, AI that could be overridden. Like, the other mother, like, made him artificially intelligent, but then, like, could override him at any time. Yeah. And that's the scene that we're talking about that was left out because there has been speculation that if this was into the movie, it would have been an adult horror film. Well, just to even describe it to you, it's like if you can imagine a man that kind of turned into almost like dumpy, mooey clay with like the eyes, the only thing left to distinguish a face were the button eyes, which were slowly like kind of drooping down and falling off like when he spoke it was almost garbled and deep and and stuff like that when when Coraline would find him it's that's kind of what I remembered it to be yeah I think a good description is right here in the book she says Coraline patted its hairless head its skin was tacky like warm bread dough poor thing she said you're just a thing she made and then threw away and the thing nodded vigorously. As it nodded, the left button eye fell off and clattered onto the concrete floor. The thing looked around vacantly with its one eye, as if it had lost her. Finally, it saw her, and as if making great effort, it opens its mouth once more, and with a wet, urgent voice, Run, child, leave this place. She wants me to hurt you, to keep you here forever, so that you can never finish the game and she will win. She is pushing me so hard to hurt you. I cannot fight her. You can, said Coraline, be grave. She looked around, and the thing that had once been the other father was between her and the steps and out of the cellar. She started edging along the wall, heading towards the step. The thing twisted bonelessly until its one eye was again facing her. It seemed to be getting bigger now and more awake. Alas, it said, I cannot. And it lunged across the cellar toward her. Then its toothless mouth opened wide. I'm just thinking of, like, a jacked-up Pillsbury Doughboy. You know what I was thinking? (laughs) Have you seen the movie Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Yes. The white lady thing? (sighs) That is how I imagine the other father looking, just without the hair. How I'm imagining, like, exactly. I'm just imagining, like, a bunch of just, like, dough. Like, imagine (sighs) just a bunch of pile of dough that you could just kind of, like... Sorry, I'm doing a bunch of hand movements of, like, like just if you were, you can kind of, like, mold hand, like a thing of clay or something like that, which is buttons. Like, nothing else, just buttons. Almost like, um, oogie boogie, almost, but not cloth, but dough. Yeah, kind of, I know what you mean. The boogeyman from The Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes. I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie Man. I still have a Build-A-Bear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can see it. Yeah, I can see him like that, but he's got one eye at the moment. And here's the thing. This isn't in the movie at all. This scene's not in the movie. They're in a dark cellar, and he's, like, blocking her stairway out. So you're a little girl trying to get out, and this thing is just blocking your path, and it's warm and sticky, and it's trying to lunge at you. And the thing about this that I think makes it even scarier is that at one point when it goes to attack her, her only thought is to react, and she rips its other eye off. 
but then it stops and starts trying to listen for her footsteps. And that's when it gets scarier because it knows how to adapt to try to find her again. Well, what terrifies me is the fact, I don't know, it's the whole thing that it's toothless. Because here, give me, I, I know, hear me out. So this is why snakes, I like snakes, okay? Freaking boa constrictors, when I see them eating their prey whole, and I, I know, I know they first squeeze them to death, but that, that shit just, ooh, this makes me cringe, because, like, if you were eaten alive, mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, like, how it's described as, like, warm dough. It's just, like, encasing your body in, like, a warm dough. Because it's not going to... That sounds like a nightmare. It doesn't have the teeth to, like, chomp, kill, and then eat you. It's going to full on... Until you, like, pretty much drown inside of it. Yeah. And then, like, it can... Like, you know you're going to die. Ugh. I I don't like being sticky. Like, that's, like, one of my things. I don't like being sticky. So I could not, I could not imagine. I would be the utter amount of terror I got because just, like, that whole thing. Like, just being eaten alive is what's, like, and then slowly digested. I think that that shows part of Coraline's character, how I read about how she patted it on the head and said, like, she was sorry for it. Like, that shows that she's a kid who's, like, loving, even though she knows that, like, I mean, the other father isn't inherently evil, but he is because he was created and he she is controlling him to attack He's her. He's almost like uh, Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Frankenstein's monster wasn't bad until he looked into a mirror of himself and realized he wasn't necessarily fully human. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Victor Frankenstein was kind of a dick too, <laughs> the monster. So... Yeah, so, I don't know, that's just, like, one of the scenes from the book that, like, you have to read because it's, like, it's so scary. And I agree, I think if that scene was in it, I think if they made a live action of the book, like, going strictly off the book, it would be an adult horror film. I don't think it would be made as a kid's horror film. I want to see, and I know the book was, and I know the book was written for kids, I know the movie is for kids, I do very much so want to see an adult version (laughs) Of Coraline. Yeah, I think that scene alone would make it an adult version. Because it would be terrifying. Or at least, like, maybe like PG-13. Because <laughs> there's not, like, sex or swearing. So it could, no. be, it could be, like, a PG-13 instead of a PG. Oh, have you heard? This is a little bit off topic, but I think it's still kind of relevant today. Have you heard of the new horror movie that they're making based off Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Just, just because they can. If they can do that, they can definitely have time to make a real live version. Coraline. Oh, That's here's scary. the thing, though. I'm telling you, when that comes out, we are gonna read. <laughs> we're gonna read Winnie the Pooh, and we're gonna we're gonna do that one. <laughs> Maybe like a bonus mini episode or something. Oh, heck just like yeah. a twenty minute like. Honestly, I don't even know if it's worth watching. <laughs> well, it, it's you have to watch it for the memes. It's like nobody wants to watch the Emoji Movie, but you put it on anyways for the background just because it's the so... Emoji Movie was so funny though. <laughs> well, you look at it now and you're like, "Ha, huh, that's funny," but it's it's still kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. And then like, 
I don't know, the Bell Dams, she's a wicked lady. And, oh, that is one thing. In the movie, the other mother presents looking exactly like the mom, like the real mom. But in the book, she already has, like, longer fingers and is more pale than the real mom. Which I think they try to do something with that, almost kind of with that in the movie as best as they can without really showing it as much. But so what they have her do is they have her do this, like, nail tapping thing. When she talks about the game. Yeah, well, even before that, she does it. When she's waiting on her to, like, do the eyes. I can't, I don't know if the audio will pick it, but she's like, like... Yeah, something like that with her, like, nails, and it, like, shows in, like, full force or something, and you're just like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's another thing that I saw, though. So, I, I looked up another theory about this movie where it's, like, like, you know when I say that she was kind of, like, a shapeshifter? Mm-hmm. Another person thought that it was kind of weird how a lot of it focused on her hand. Mm-hmm. Like, why within the book she was okay with offering up her hand and how, like, her hand is the only thing that escapes Mm -hmm. into the real world and stuff like that. So they're wondering if maybe all of it really is just the seamstress kind of hand that's the full kind of beldum that fully kind of Mm -hmm. works. So there's something, there's, I don't know, there's something to be said about... The way her hand is? Like, her hand, yeah, that's the only thing that survives. That's the thing that Coraline focuses on, even in the book and in the movie. There's something to do with. Well, and not just, like, it's her right hand. Mm -hmm. Her right hand, which, I mean, most of the population's right-handed, so you're going to assume the Beldam's probably right-handed. Because that's what she makes the bet on, is that she'd give her right hand. Because at first she says, oh, I swear on my mother. And Coraline's like, well, do you even have a mom? Like, I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't trust you, ho. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and she's like, I swear on my right hand. And you're just kind of like, okay, cool. You lose a hand. And in the movie, Coraline doesn't know the hand escaped. But in the book, she does. And she sets a trap for it. But in the movie, her and YB just kind of, like, squish it and tie it down and chuck it in the well. Either way, the hand ends up in the well with either version. So that's it's a, not like... That's also another theory on why... Because, you know, why the movie and the book kind of start off and focus on that well. Mm. A lot of people also think that that corridor mm. is is the well, too. Oh, okay. So, like, it's wet and, like... Mm-hmm. I could see that, like, yeah. being the well, like, the moisture, like, yeah. the humidity from the well. Okay, that would that, make sense. That the well is also kind of, like, that deep entity, and that's why she'll, that's why she gets thrown back into the well, or that's why that well is kind of thrown at the beginning of the story. It's not just, like, a regular Chekhov's gun kind of moment, but it's something important, you mm-hmm. know? That's another theory that I saw that I really liked, too. That would make sense. Well, and, like, how YB's not in the book, neither is his grandma, and that's where, that's how she gets the doll that's the spy, is, like, it's in the chest at the grandma's house, which isn't the same flats. Yeah. Because he brings it, he gives it to her as a gift. He's like, look what I found in one of grandma's old chests. And I'm assuming that the grandma's sister in the movie was the most recent ghost girl. Mm-hmm. And that's why the doll was with her, because it was her sister's doll. Because she gets killed, and that's why she doesn't like kids being rented out into the apartments. Yes. That is, yeah, which that's, again, that, none of that is in the but, book. But it's not a bad addition. It's not. I feel like it, like it, it was trying to give, like, more of, like, a back connecting. At the end. 
with when they're all making that rose garden and yeah. then Wyvie's grandmother comes in and stuff. That was cute. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's still sad that, you know, <laughs> children die, but. Well, and I think that that's another point. In the book, the ghost children are like ghosts with button eyes and they're kind of like a little bit see-through and they have like this blue tint to them. But in the book, the way I took it as I was reading it is that the other mother sucked their soul out of their eyes and they it even says like they're like a snake skin. Like their body shriveled up like a snake shedding its skin. And that's what was left in the room that Coraline gets thrown into it. And she accidentally touches one. And I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no. It's definitely <laughs> ten times. Because that doesn't make any sense. She's like, oh, she took her eyes. But it's like, no, she she straight up took their souls, man. Like, they're just... They're just husks in this weird mirror scape. Yeah, I don't like... Like, she accidentally touches one. And I just, like... So you oh. just imagine it to just kind of recoil. Like, you know, like, ugh. Uh, well, like, because they describe it like a snake skin, and it's like, that, like, she sucks everything out of their bodies except the skin. Like, and the idea of, like, picturing a dead body with everything out of it except the skin, and it's, like, dried and shriveled up, is disturbing, and it's in the children's book, and I... Oh! I'm... <laughs> oh! That made me think of, so... A lot of you may be wondering, if this book is so scary, how did it even get published to children in the first place? <laughs> so, now, this is me just ad-libbing something from something I've heard a long time. Someone at work also said this to me, so it's like, I've heard more than one people It's, it's very so. So, when Neil Gaiman put this to his publisher, she was like, no, this is too scary. And then he was like, okay, well, why don't you just try it out? So she did. So she would read it to her daughter every night. And every night she'd be like, okay, are you okay? Should I continue? Like, is it too scary for you? And the daughter would be like, no, no, it's fine. Years later, people would ask the daughter, like, well, were you really not scared as a kid? Because this book absolutely terrified me. And she'd be like, oh, no, I was scared shitless. I just wanted to know what ha- what happened next. So I never told her to stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was scary. She just wanted to know what happened. So she didn't stop it. And I respect it. I respect it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it got an amazing book put into... Well, and another thing that we kind of talked about before starting was um, in the book, the parents, like, sometimes get, like, frustrated and stuff, but they're just busy parents who work from home. But in the movie, sometimes they're, like, kind of mean. They're so freaking mean. They're like, go away, Coraline, I'm doing work, or in the book, they're like, okay, well, why don't you do this, this, and this, and see what's up, and going on with this, mm-hmm. and then, it's like, in the book, they're nights, and then, I don't know, I was just like, dang, they're so mean in the movie. But it could just be perspective, like, in our minds, we're reading them as nice, and, like, in the producer of the movie's minds, he read it as, like, more harsh. Maybe, but I don't know, I don't think... I think there is a line in the movie where they straight up tell her to, like, go away or something like that. Whereas in the book, they they never did yeah. that. They always gave her something mm-hmm. fun to do. Well, I feel like even in the movie, it's always, like, the dad. All oh, that story in the book about the dad, you know, how he was, like... Oh, yeah. how that's left out? Yes, yeah. there's a story that she tells the cat when they're going to the tunnel back to the other world. And it's about how her dad saved her. They were... There was a junkyard behind their old house mm-hmm. before they moved into this house. And 
in the junkyard, there was all these, like, scraps of metal, like, stuff, like, where you could get, you know, hurt. Well, apparently her dad finally took her on a walk to explore it because she loves exploring. That's one of her personality traits. She's an explorer. And in the book, she talks about how her dad took her, well, she's telling the story to the cat, but she, they go to walk around the junkyard and he steps on a beehive or she steps on a bee, not wasps, they're wasps. wasps. I can't remember if she said who did what, like who stepped on it, but they stepped on it. And he tells her to run and he stays back to make sure she gets away from the wasps. And so he has all of these wasp stings and she only has one little wasp thing. And she tells the story to the cat to show about how brave her dad was to save her because eventually he has to go back because he lost his glasses in the junkyard. And she asked why he would go back there because he got hurt and like was so you know upset and he says he has to be brave to get him back also you know the man needs to see so yeah i don't know i just even in the movie <laughs> and the cat's like i don't care <laughs> cat's like whatever pretty being pretty much a cat so <laughs> cat's like okay cool story bro move on move on <laughs> i'm done okay goodbye but i don't know i just love that story so much and it, it's weird because i think even I think it it shows her character. Like, it shows where she gets her courage from. She's like, my dad was brave for me, so I'm going to be brave for them. It does, but don't you think it's weird? Because the mother doesn't get as much characterization, which is weird when you think that it's the other mother Mm. that's the loving one, in a sense, even though where it seems like in real life, it's it's the dad. Because even in the movie and the stuff, isn't it the dad that gives her that list of stuff? Yeah. To do, to find all of the well, objects. That could also be intentional because, like, the mom's not giving her as much attention. And maybe, you know, daughter wants mother's love. Mm-hmm. So, it could also be because of that. Because the other father has, like, a scene, you know, with the piano in the movie where he's, like, singing a song about Coraline. Yeah. <laughs> So, actually, the dad has two songs in the movie, and one of them I actually wanted to read just because I think it's so cute. Because in the movie, he sings it at the very beginning of the movie when he's, like, pouring her out food and stuff. But in the book, it's not until the very end that you find the song. And it's, like, this silly little rhyme of, oh, my twitchy, witchy girl, I think you are so nice. I give you (laughs) bowls of porridge, and I give you bowls of ice cream. I give you lots of kisses and I give you lots of hugs, but I never give you sandwiches with bugs in. And like, it's just like a weird. I like a little bit of ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, I don't know. And like, she sings it to herself for courage when she's going through the woods to set up the trap for the other mother's hand at the end. Like, it's not the dad singing it like it is, but you know, it's just, she's giving it for herself for courage. Yes. See, it's, like, always the dad. It's never... Well, it's, like, I don't, her dad, like, I don't know, makes her feel brave and stuff. But there's always that, like, trope of, like, the daddy's girl, you know, kind of thing. That's and, like, mo- like having issues with moms and daughters in movies. Like, the moms and daughters are always fighting. But in this case, it's the other mother who's not fighting and wanting to... Yeah. But I'm a mama, I'm a mama's girl. I'm not gonna lie. I really am. So, are you a daddy's girl? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I don't know. I like both my parents. No, I'm Most a, of the time. I'm the mama's girl. <laughs> They're right. They're okay. No, uh, I'm just kidding. I love both my parents. I'm a mama's girl. Yeah, I was going to say, you better. This Christmas is coming up soon. You better. 
But yeah, I think that pretty much, is there anything else you wanted to add to it? No, that was pretty much it. I just, I was just really kind of amazed with how much I absolutely like love this book because it's something and it's not a long read. I will say, if anyone wants to read it, like, the movie's not that long, and the book is not that long. No. I mean, like, I think it's only four hours, almost, not even four hours for, like, a podcast kind of thing, to listen to it via podcast. So I'd listen to it, like, every night before bed. My version from Barnes & Noble is 155 pages. Nice. So, and it's, like, not small text. It's, like, bigger text. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely a good nice read especially for spoopy season which happy halloween everybody happy halloween for work today i actually dressed up as the other mother for work and some people really got who i was but since i have like my nails done i was doing the nail clicking thing like all day at my desk just like god (laughs) no so for work today i i've always wanted to go as one of those blow-up dinosaurs and today (laughs) I don't know, the, it wasn't today, it was, what was it? It was Saturday, where I found a blow-up dinosaur that's, it's a blow-up dinosaur that looks like Spider-Man. The whole thing is Spider-X. And freaking, I was walking everywhere around with that thing on campus. I got lots of waves, <laughs> lots of smiles, so lots of, oh god, so... <laughs> Beautiful. I had a lot Iconic, of fun. honestly. It really is. I had a lot of fun wearing it. It's so hot in it, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it is, because I was hot in my little turtleneck sweater all day. I was like, <sighs> get me out of this. Yeah, I was waiting to change. God, I had my sweatshirt. <laughs> I wore it with my sweatshirt, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, we appreciate all the support everyone's been giving us. We apologize for our absence. We are working on creating and consistent setup you've been working on editing stuff i've been taking more classes on how to edit stuff so that we can like make the podcast sound smoother yeah it's just been rough because i am not only am i in grad school right now but i'm also have a ga position ship with work right now life's been absolutely crazy and oof Oof. Yeah, we really appreciate everyone that's been, like, supporting us from the sidelines, even though we haven't been as active. I did post a few episodes a few weeks ago, or, like, a week ago. So, hopefully, we'll be continuing to post every two weeks on Mondays. We appreciate all the support everyone's been giving us, because we really love doing this, and we would love to eventually turn it into our full-time. It's just going to take time to build it, and being more consistent oh, will help it. We just got to have our <laughs> professors no. really, like... Noah told me the other day, he's like, honestly, honey, if I feel like if you actually just did your podcast and were super consistent with posting, he's like, you guys would probably have already been famous because we just passed our one year of actually opening the podcast last we month. did? Oh last my month. God. So he's like, if you guys would have just kept consistent for the entire like year, he's like, you guys probably would already be famous. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I'm just, I'm just so busy. But I now know. I feel like things are finally getting to a point where we can like. Yes. 100%. It was just that one initial change of both of us graduating and dealing with all of that. Well, and like, we both have other things. Like, you have grad school now, and I have a full-time, like, 9-to-5 position, and I'm planning a wedding. So it's just, like, yeah. Bleh. yeah. But we still do appreciate everyone supporting us. We appreciate... I even got told by an old college peer that 
Professor Green still reps his to English majors. He does. I saw it. I I looked at him. I saw him walking. I was like, hey, I like your shirt. He looked down. He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you feel shame? Because I I would feel shameful because knowing I haven't posted. (laughs) Um, I don't know. But he was was still rocking it, man. And our posters are still everywhere. So... Yes, and hopefully, you know, one day we'll have merch for everyone to buy, so. That's, we gotta get big. Gotta get big. So, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and Google yes. Podcasts. Blow us up and you'll get merch. <laughs> Maybe one day we should do, like, a giveaway. We should, 100%. But, thank everyone again, and we will see you in two weeks. See ya! Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.